A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello and welcome to another Top 10 Debate. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamflut from What Culture, to talk about WWE Fates Worse than burial but before we get into it if you're a fan of this sort of thing make sure you subscribe to what called dressing on either itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we'll be raw smackdown nxt aw dynamite pay-per-views we have interviews more roundtable discussions like this one and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet to discuss his list, 10 WWE fates worse than burial. And I know this wasn't the inspiration behind it, but I did want to talk to you about a tweet you sent out, I think yesterday, regarding the burial of Triple H back in the day for the uh, for the curtain call. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like the most overstated burial in wrestling history. And of course it is because it's Triple H's and it has to be part of this narrative that somehow he's like a... I don't know. Like, I resent the idea that, like, Triple H, he of middle-class stock that married into an empire, a billionaire family, is somehow rags to riches. I, I just won't, <laughs> won't have any aspect of Triple H's life being deemed rags to riches. And I think his lack of that is why he always, like, leaned on this run in 1996. And I've, I've wrote about this in other articles before, that, you know... By comparison to today's wrestlers, looks like a, a WrestleMania push. <laughs> he, he, right, yeah, he was supposed to win the King of the Ring, and he didn't. We all know that. Um, and that worked out for the best anyway, because we got Steve Austin. Um, and he went, he kind of disappeared underwater, you could say, for about six months, generously, because he worked um, some, like, uh, free-for-all matches, obviously the precursor to the kickoffs. He was on television. He was losing. He was losing quite a bit um and then he worked the buried alive in your house in the october of 1996 so bear in mind it was may when vincent man said i'm really sorry i gotta bury you six foot under like i've got to make a point to the locker room after the curtain call like you're gonna like you're gonna be down for a lot you're gonna eat and learn like the taste of it that was what he said <laughs> and i guess like vince just ran out of in october 1996 because he lost to Steve Austin in the opener of a pay-per-view in October. And then the next night, Mr. Buried won the Intercontinental Championship, back when that was still prestigious. Like, won the belt. Turned out that he'd hatched a plan with Mr. Perfect all along. So, and Mr. Perfect helped him win. So that storyline began about a month. So you can basically backdate that burial by another month because they already had a storyline in the works for him to win yeah. that belt. Like five months, if that, where like he lost on house shows 
which nobody could see and hardly anybody read about. So, yeah, the fact that he's lent on this as a sort of, yeah, we've all had our struggles, right? When I, Dolph Ziggler must just put his hands on his hips and look at him and think, are you, are you kidding? <laughs> Do you want to see three quarters of my goddamn career and five six-month periods that are as good as the one you had when you were getting buried? I compare it to Ricochet, obviously. Yeah. Ricochet's entire career in WWE <laughs> since getting the call-up from NXT has been worse than Triple H's apparently terrible six months. And I just, like, there are fates worse than burials. There are different kinds of burials. There is nuance to the burial. We're going to get to this in the list. It's a subjective thing anyway, so people listening might disagree or they might deem things as, you know, a burial might be too harsh or something like that, but Triple H has always been keen to call that a burial. And it was just six months making it look like he was getting bollocked for something and then everything was fine. It's like when those like really rich YouTubers do the whole, oh, can I live off a pound for a day? Yeah. And they go, oh, I've had it tough. And he's like, yeah, but you've put eight ads in this video and (laughs) you're living in your mansion. Have you factored that into it? Just no. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Ridiculous. And what did you do yesterday and tomorrow before you went with the (laughs) quiz? Thankfully, uh, I was I knew I was going to live on a pound today, so I bought in a bulk, bought in a shed load of food. So there we go. All right, six spaghetti bolognese last night, so I think should be good for food until about ten o'clock tonight. So I can make. It's like those frigging. We're never going to get to the list. Those. Um, it's always a frigging Times or a Telegraph article. Funny that, where a kid, like, is twenty-one. Yeah. or 25 or whatever and they're like yeah i um i've got no debt i've uh managed to save 40 grand for a deposit and then you read the second paragraph and it turns out that both his parents are doctors and he's living at home rent free yeah. and has been all his life included and he's got like a full-time job yeah yeah uh, actually work in the medical profession i'm not a doctor i just work in the med- oh how did you get that job oh, that's really interesting yeah 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 like you just try and pretend that the privilege they're talking about in the second paragraph isn't privilege at all. It's just, why does everybody stay and live at home rent-free with their doctor parents? Why is nobody doing this? I don't understand why there's a housing crisis or mass poverty. And I just don't get it. Have you ever seen, you? The, the, have you seen, you? You seen the TikTok where the girl's like, if you're homeless, just go and buy a house. Go <laughs> and buy a house? Just get a house. Oh, really genius. Anyway, let's. there are things worse than being buried in WWE. Yeah. And, uh, well, let's start with a man who we're looking to surpass in the podcast charts by talking about him. And that's getting blackballed. And the specific example, of course, Double J. Awesome. You say I wanted to surpass. I'm happy to remain number two in his shadow <laughs> forever. One of my heroes, Jeff Jarrett. I love him. I, I like his wrestling. I really do. I like several elements of his quite funny act. Um, like that, it was that famous, now memed, Comment by Eddie Graham, I think it was, broke a million guitars, never drew a dime. Like, objectively not true, but let's not just pretend that the breaking of a million guitars wasn't really, really fun. Like, it's just great watching somebody get kabonged with the old acoustic equaliser. <laughs> Slapnut is pissed funny. Uh, trying to be your own version of Stone Cold Steve Austin in TNA was great. Yeah. Um, burying Steve Austin on your first night back in WWE took some balls and was questionable. <laughs> Austin 316's blasphemous, you know, and it's selling 40 Brazilian t-shirts and maybe pull back on that one. I just love him. Like, Andy Murray once said this, and it's 100% true. Um, if you give a pound to Jeff Jarrett, he will make one pound and one penny out of pro wrestling. And I love that about the guy. Um, and I love that he was publicly fired by Vince McMahon in an act of, like, McMahon-esque pettiness. He yeah. bought his competition, right? He doesn't get to be Jeff Jarrett's boss. Jeff Jarrett made this point on his podcast, which 
should go and listen to, but maybe listen to all of ours first. It might yeah. give us a chance of topping him. Um, he made the point that was like, well, how can somebody fire you if they're not your boss? Jeff Jarrett sat on a massive Turner contract until about 2002 and just never went to work for Vince. But Vince was obviously making the point that he wasn't going to hire him. That was the issue here. But I love that Jeff Jarrett wasn't even on the Nitro for Vince to do his big grand gesture on the simulcast. So he had to get one of his staffers to find some tape of Jeff Jarrett to put on a television to replicate the idea that he was Is watching. Is that true? TV. Yeah. So the, for those that haven't seen it, there's an image that I've put in the list, but go and watch the the Raw, the last sort of Nitro Raw simulcasting. It's the go-home show for WrestleMania 17, 2001 in the network. And Vince McMahon is in this room where there's two televisions um, backstage, which is weird, isn't it? Because the television that he's on, he's always going to be on when the camera's on him. That's a bit mm. odd. But like, one says WWF, one says WCW. And he points at the WCW television as if, as if he's just looked at it and gone, ah, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> yeah, you know how, um, you know how you used to love Spelling your name? No, you gave Nagami. But yeah, you know, you used to love spelling your name, Jeff. Well, that's, and then he does this weird thing where he wants to say gone, but he's like, that's G double O, quadruple N, triple E, goon, <laughs> like that. He, he does this big catchphrase thing. Yeah, Jeff Jarrett wasn't on Nitro at that point, or maybe if I'm not mistaken, on that Nitro at all. So they had to wow. send some sort of busybody out to go and get some tape to put in that TV to manufacture a scene where Vince could fire him. That's how excited he was to fire him, or indeed not hire him in a year's time. What did Jeff do? Form his own wrestling company. Take two of them, Vince, and call me in the morning. And the best thing is, is that we learned through this podcast years later that Jeff, <laughs> I love it. I love the gumption of the man. Jeff Jarrett called Vince to say, I'm setting up TNA. Do you want to maybe have a working agreement? What, what response were you expecting? Like, I just... <laughs> The proverbial guitar at the head over the phone, probably. Um, Vince wasn't interested, funnily enough. Like, well, to be fair, maybe he thought that Vince was sacking the goon with the way he was spelling <laughs> I loved it. Jeff's name. It's like famed collaborator Vince McMahon, one year after firing you specifically. Did you think they're working together on this new rival organisation I'm setting up? I just amazing, great, absolutely what brilliant. Guy. Yeah, um, effectively blackballed until he made an industry for himself. And like, look, let's be, let's be sort of like earnestly positive too created work for people created mm. opportunities for people in the very existence funny as it was sometimes of tna um lots of wrestlers i'm sure would have been grateful for the strange opportunities they received in tna especially mm. when the industry like almost immediately fell into a decline like after the fact so there was like a, a net positive out of that as well so obviously blackball is, is getting blackboard is worse than getting buried and getting whitewashed is worse than getting blackballed because it's insane how frequently WWE just goes no I don't don't who don't remember them sorry mate no I have no idea it's it's maddening isn't it yeah that's that's worse I think because nothing's ever forever in wrestling so the very notion of being blackballed in 2021 or indeed back in 2001 when it happened to Jeff Jarrett is that well as Jeff proved you never blackball because there's already there's always somebody that will give you work if you've been over before if you've made money in wrestling before and Christ if you've made money for Vince McMahon he's you know gonna at least entertain a meeting with you or a call with you it was Chris Jericho wasn't it recently he said that like on I think it was on Austin's podcast where he said he was he believed himself to still be on good terms with Vince McMahon it triggered this conversation of like yeah is there ever actually who's ever thought about this but like once his AEW contract runs out if the price was right 
could he go back? And I think mm. the answer is yes, isn't it? Yeah. We've reached the point now. Like my turning point forever, I've, I've said this example before, was Eric Bischoff. He shook hands with Eric Bischoff on a stage and said, you're going to have a roar now. And, you know, I was 17. Tiny mind exploded into pieces that Eric Bischoff could appear on Monday Night Raw. But what that means is, is that the precedent has been set. You know, Tony Khan could one day appear on Monday Night Raw, or as I'm sure AW fans would rather have me say, Vincent Mann could one day appear on AW yeah. Dynamo. But the point remains the same. Whitewashing, in a way, is much worse because they, either on purpose or inadvertently, kind of disappear you from the conversation, and that affects your value. And if your value is affected, you stand less chance of being able to get back in the door that so many of these people walk back in. The example I used for the list was Emma, because... She was just such a consistent presence in a woman's division that was still taking shape. She had that like transcendent match with Paige at Arrival that was basically this big announcement from mm. NXT that, oh, by the way, women's wrestling is back and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. It's this inevitable thing that's going to happen on the main roster and we're going to make it so. Then she got the call up. Um, she was completely buried because I did that awful thing where like Santino came out and said like, I'm funny, look at my funny friend. And they gave no context to why Emma had bubbles and did that weird dance. So she was ruined. So back she goes to NXT for yet more bangers, a total forgotten classic, a lost classic with Asuka mm. as the opener from TakeOver London that completely established Asuka as this like terrifying threat on NXT. And then she did it again for her when Asuka got called up to the main roster. I remember, 2017, yeah. TLC, another banger. Asuka is here. Fear her. And then they sacked her like four days later. She put her over again on Monday Night Raw. And they just sacked her days later. There was, of course, the uh, the Emmalina thing. Mm. The debacle seemed to mark her cards, unfortunately. But I just, I don't know. It's it's her. There's other examples that, like, I don't have to mind now, but there are other examples where it's the, the thing I always go to is, imagine the people that you just never see on those giant lists of people they bring back for the Raw reunions. Mm. Who is not sharing punch with Sergeant Slaughter in the poorly <laughs> lit party? in the general manager's office. It's those people that have been like punished as bad, if not worse than a blackballing, because the whole point is wrestlers are supposed to be people to be talked about and there's no conversation about them. And the thing is, it's it's such a surreal conversation to have because like getting whitewashed, like Benoit is the obvious name, which is a mm-hmm. very, very different set of scenarios to, to other people. Obviously they had the stuff with Hogan and that's an entirely different conversation in and of itself as well. But it's so sudden as well. If, if if Vince wakes up one day and thinks, I don't want them to be associated with the, the the history, the legacy of this product, they're gone. There was a period, wasn't there, where they just suddenly decided, ah, uh, get rid of Roman Reigns. Like, Roman Reigns is gone. Yeah. And there was, they, they showed, like, Seth Rollins winning the world title at WrestleMania, and they just sort of cut around Roman and went, yep, there he was, beating uh, some guy, who cares? It's... Like, like I say, to be part of the same brush as someone like Benoit is a is a, a, a real shock. Just imagine if that clip, like if the curb stomp was still banned, how how would they show any of that? Like they banned the move and they banned and they banned the man. Like Seth Rollins is here, he wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like again, it's all like a Vince McMahon wakes up and thinks this that day deal, which I know comes up a lot on these podcasts, but it's. I feel like it's relevant. I feel like we have to factor it in. You're dealing with a mind that nobody's been able to ever truly hack into. Um, And yeah, like the the Benoit comparison is sad, but apt because there is one guy above all else that like doesn't like warrant the oxygen of discussion unless Mm. people are comfortable and prepared to have it. Um, Nobody really should be with obvious 
you know, exceptions here and there, nobody should really be subject to that same kind of treatment. Mm. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Let's move on. Let's talk about something uh, which has kind of been talked about again recently uh, with that uh, AE documentary stuff about, uh, there was one about. Randy Savage, I think someone was describing mm, as a bit yeah. of a hit piece and related to that. It's one thing WWE often employs is that sort of documentary hatchet job is the terminology you've used here, which is so spot on. You think of the ultimate warrior, you think of, well, Bret Hart. Like, talk, talk me through it because it is, it's again, WWE going, we want to change the way people remember you. And if it's not not remembering you, it's remembering you in the worst possible way. Yeah, I think what they... WWE, I think this one of the reasons this happens, I think, and it like it has happened less in the era of the network. I will say yes. that. I wonder if they're starting to think about what exactly it is they commit to that streaming service because you can kind of stumble upon stuff. It's a bit like, and we'll do lists at what clubs sometimes you find little little cheekies that you that they probably should have cut by now. And Peacock, even more so, there's going to be more of that. And I just think they want to make those things less because they want to look like a positive organisation. It's all about the brand, that sort of thing. But for years, I think WWE approached some of these projects like an episode of Raw. You know how you can tell Vincent Mann is bored of Raw before the episode's even finished? Like Hmm. he started moving, he's already mentally on the jet, heading to the, not to the next town at the moment, but like heading back to the drawing board for next week's episode. And next week, like nothing ever sits still in WWE. Like they're probably thinking of uh, WrestleMania backlash before they're thinking of WrestleMania's end. You know, and... I think these two approach documentaries like the same way. The Ultimate Warrior doc, which everybody knows about, even if you've not seen it, there'll be a way for you to track it down online, I'm sure. It was a DVD. That's probably been discontinued, and it never made it to the network. It was just an hour and a half of everybody at the top level of the company, Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard, Jim Ross, and others, finding different ways to bury the Ultimate Warrior, just talking about his awful promos, his awful matches, his awful look. I mean, imagine that. Like, everything about Ooh. the Ultimate Warrior they were just critical of spliced with like some gentle ribbing but the likes of chris jericho christian and edge basically fawning over how much they loved the ultimate warrior when they were kids so they were kind of mocking a bit like christian does this impression of his promo it's really funny and it's about the hulk hogan it's about spaceships and all this sort of other warrior nonsense but he's doing it word for word from memory because he obviously loves it and you know i ultimate warrior was the reason i fell in love with wrestling because i mean just look at him right 
like if, if you're five, look at the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> and I was like, well, I think I'll watch this for the rest of my stupid life. Like, <laughs> like the Ultimate Warrior, like short as it was, and in, like sort of in short bursts as it was, had this impact. And they just did away with all that and made this documentary where they just picked every single bit of him because he was unpopular because he'd fallen out with them because there was all these various issues with the Warrior. And they made that show as if like time was to come to an end the second that somebody said cut. Hmm. Not thinking that, like, oh, years later, we might want to bring him back into the fold. Like, what if Vince and Jim make friends in the end and we maybe want to put him into the Hall of Fame? And, you know, like, which is what all that happened in the end. And then they do those condescending DVD profiles where I wasn't the Ultimate Warrior, brilliant. And it was like, well, you literally weren't saying that six years ago on this DVD. Why I mentioned, well, why I mentioned Brett in the article. Brett basically came back to WWE for the first time post Montreal shook hands with Vince for a picture, etc. because he cared a great deal about his legacy. He knew that they would make this type of stuff and he wanted mm. his legacy to be like truthful and well-remembered and WWE had access to the vault of his footage. And it was going to be, the DVD on Brett was going to be called Screwed, the Brett Hart story. Now I wonder what part of Brett Hart's career they're going to linger on with mm. that as a title. And you see the warrior thing and you see the talk. Apparently the talking heads exist. <sighs> Brett has, yeah, like, it's almost like as rare as the Tom McGee tape. Talk, I, I think, like, Brett was very... He named... I want to say it was Jerry Lawler. Go and Google it. So I'm not, like... I, I'd never want to misquote the excellence of execution, but I'm sure there was somebody that had, like, done those kind of comments where, yeah, be as critical as you like. Say the things you didn't like about him. It was a bit of a misery sometimes. It was a bit late to shows. Say that, and we'll isolate those. And those clips exist somewhere that people taped for Screw the Bret Hart story that ultimately never happened because Brett came back and he got his three-disc box set the way it should be done. Pre-network, obviously, the way that like was seen as a great way to pay tribute to a career. Um, one more was Confidential in 2002. That kind of short-lived behind-the-scenes show they did. They did an episode on Steve Austin's 2002 walkout, and it was just like 40 minutes of Vince and Jim Ross saying like, what a piece of garbage. The guy <laughs> that's made all this money for us in a few years. And then like, it, like towards the end, it was like, uh, by the way, um, police were called and something's happened with Deborah, and I guess we're going to see how that develops and it, you know, like that was true and that was really bad like uh, an important black mark against Steve Austin's name but the whole thing was just designed to like just bury this guy that's literally left your company six weeks ago having mm. taken it back to the promised land burying six feet deep and then he was back in 2003 he's like yeah, yeah, yeah confidential thing it's just for telly it's fine <laughs> ignore all that we're happy you're back it's Austin Steve Austin glass smashing like even they would be like, Vince probably didn't remember that he did it. No. Austin's take, I didn't appreciate that confidential hit piece, mind Vince. What's that now? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just planning for a um, I quit match for my daughter. You have to remind us. Like, he, like, to him, just rolls on. The whole thing always rolls on, like a raw commercial break. But yeah, like, these things to the performers themselves, <laughs> as they would be, were pretty big lines in the sand. Hmm. And personified by the fact, yeah, he left. Stone Cold walked out and he went, right, time to bear me in a promo. Like, no, no discussions. Yeah. Give me the mic, right? I'm going to tell him it's all Stone Cold's <laughs> fault and he's the worst thing that ever happened to the WWF. Okay. Um, lovely transition here. You mentioned a screw job here because mm. that is another way they can do things, something worse than, than bury you. And I'm not just talking about Bret Hart here. No. Um, Wendy Richter was kind of the... The original WWE screw job, I guess you could say. I have a feeling there's another one going back to the 60s or 70s that somebody might correct me on, but certainly Vince McMahon Jr., um, the Vince that screwed Brett, uh, worked with the fabulous Moolah to do the same to his 
WrestleMania co-headliner, Wendy Richter. Jeez. Something like six months after, obviously, her uh, she won the women's title at WrestleMania 1 with the help of Cindy Lauper, who was integral to the Rock and Wrestling Connection, integral to Vince's relationship with MTV, which was integral to WrestleMania, blah, blah, blah. It's always the people that are most important that he was happy to cut the heads off to see <laughs> more power. Um, and they were just um, in complete disagreement over pay. Uh, obviously, women's wrestling was marginalised to an even greater degree than it is now. And... Richter wasn't being compensated in the way that she believed was fair as a star, as a, as a proper star. Mm. Like that was the second biggest match of the first, maybe the third, but like you're talking like one of two or three main event matches that people were talking about because of the inclusion of the celebrities and because WWF, Vincent Mann's version of WWF was so novelty to that New York media market that like, the women wrestling as well was an even greater novelty. So mm. she had that appeal too. She had these like rock star looks. She was the secondary baby face in the Hulk Hogan cartoon, which got massive like exposure to WWF at large. So like she was a known name, um, but money talked louder than any of that to Vincent Mann. And he was happy to get a shot of her by November. So think about like, we're only six, seven months on from WrestleMania. Um, they didn't tell. It's a weird match to go and watch. I would recommend it. Fabulous Moolah. Like it's it's evidently fabulous Moolah based on her body type. Mm-hmm. She's in a mask dressed as the spider, and she like catches Richter in a tight pinfall. Um, for the you know, the usual thing where like trying to capture the, the pin. Richter still rolls a shoulder and kicks out at one, but the referee just counts anyway because he's obviously in on it. Moolah snatches the title, pulls the mask off. Oh, it's Moolah as the spider, holds the belt up. Richter's so confused by it that she kind of wants to protect the industry a little bit and sells. What's going on, ref? Why have I been cheated? Blah, blah, blah. Only to find out that it was all as legit as it looked. And she's not getting the title back. And she's not getting the pay that she believes she deserves. And so the story goes, she went to, she left the arena in disgust, still in her gear, Mm -hmm. like into the streets of New York, flew home and didn't speak to Fabulous Mila ever again. And wasn't on terms with Vince until she went in the Hall of Fame 25 years later. So it like it stuck and it stung. Yes, I've seen that clip and I know exactly what you mean. It's just when you know the context of it all, it's a bit heartbreaking, isn't it? Because Mm. like you say, it's... She's kind of working still. She's still working, Richter, yeah. And it's just, like you say, Brett spitting on Vince is how you would react. Mm -hmm. And and all the madness that surrounds the Montreal Screwjob. And this is kind of just overlooked because it's so baffling that in such a short, short time frame, they've gone from thanks for helping us with that to right bollocks to you. Well, if you're not yeah. going to do that, then you'll you'll do it one way or another. So mad maddening. Yeah, this is a fascinating list. As I said, you can read it all at whatculture.com. Just search for 10 WE fakes worse than burial. Some really interesting ones on there. Uh, some recent stuff as well referenced, and a push actually referenced as a, a fake worse than burial on some occasions. But one thing I want to finally mention here. Because I think it's so funny. You've got getting 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 blackballed or whitewashed from WWE history or getting screwed. Being the fiend. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered where you were gonna go. Yeah, like being the fiend is worse than a burial, is what I've argued here. Is because like <laughs> the thing with the burial is, and I think that applies to most ones we talk about, Jeff Jarrett finds his happy ending always, but fundamentally he was going to lose work when mm. his turn of contract ran out and when director got the sack and so on and so on. Um, <laughs> Bray Wyatt, as the fiend, 
has been buried like more than once and this character's two years old, right? So yeah, he's been buried more times than this character's had years on the clock. But it makes so much goddamn money that it's going to keep happening. Mm. He is trapped in the burial loop of being the fiend. Yeah. Because every now and then they're going to bring him back. Some people are going to get their hopes up. Not us, not anymore. No. Some people are going to get their hopes up. He might win a, win a few, whatever. And then he's going to get buried again. But in that time, that character's going to flog T-shirts or masks or six grand belts or whatever. Or indeed, capture the attention of an audience. How unnerving was it that the ratings stayed so solid for Raw over the six months that Randy Orton and The Fiend were feuding? Yeah. Right? That He appeals to some people, but not in the way that WWE aren't completely willing to just do him in with the greatest of ease. Uh, you know, I'm referencing the WrestleMania loss to Randy Orton, but also the loss to Bill Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just, I love, I still love the arrangement of weapons. The sledgehammer to the chair, to the toolbox, to the face from Seth Rollins <laughs> in a Hell in a Cell match with no stoppages. Where he tried to, let's like, not forget, where he tried to impale someone with a, with a comedy hammer. Yeah. 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 He, had, he found Doink's hammer under the ring. Um, has a match to his liking, the Firefly Inferno match, where he ends up being set on fire. Yeah. Um, infantilizes a woman who is not so infantile that she can't turn on him. Like, <laughs> and have him lose to six, like, single RKO, six minutes. Even just like, remember the, remember the jokes before WrestleMania. Well, Orton did him in nine minutes with the projections, so at least he's going to get longer than that. And he didn't, like, for that trilogy to complete itself properly, Orton's got to beat him in three. At the <laughs> next WrestleMania. Like, this is a this character is a disaster, but it is unfortunately the living embodiment of WWE. That is to say, it is a persistent failure that makes an absolute fortune. Mm. The fiend, like, the fiend is 2021 WWE. Yeah, and you're right. And in terms of, you know, we're not just shooting on the fiend here. What I'm saying is like people it's divisive let's let's admit that the fiend some people love it some people hate it we're not going to talk about that it's certainly very very creative but at the end of the day like you say it all boils down to vince mcmahon and how he feels on the day the wrestlemania is a perfect example we all knew going into that well the fiend wins obviously the fiend wins because he needs to get you know from what happened to, to where we are and vince just woke and that was the plan and vince just woke up and went Nah, just give it, give it all, and then we'll put him in summit with Riddle. After <laughs> it's like, there's no plan there. I'm sure that Bray Wyatt would have presented them with a plan of like, I do this, and then here's where I go. And it's not necessarily a world title thing, or or even he goes away for a while as he has now. But when he comes back, at least you go, oh, bloody hell, well, look what he did to Randy Orton in the end. Like, and he he survived for a while. Just no, just like you say, just. You know what this boils down to, and it's a it's a phrase many football fans, particularly fo- fo- football fans who support teams like you and I do in, in Sunderland and Chesterfield, who who are perennial. I don't mean to have a go, but it's mm. my team as well. Perennial losers. Like yeah. you want to you want you want to watch a team who wins games all the time. Go and support Man City, or go and support yeah. uh, Real Madrid, or whoever it may be. You support these teams because they're from where you're from or you have some sort of familial connection to it and the phrase that always comes back and it is personified by the fiend and people who are fans of the fiend it's the hope that kills you yeah i can take i can take getting 
getting battered all the time. I can take my, my favourite wrestlers losing, but it's when you go, hang on, maybe if this goes all right, whether it be football or wrestling related, there could be something big at the end of all this. And then either either at the final hurdle or generally with Chesterfield in the first round, uh, it, it goes out the window. But that's, that's The Fiend, isn't it? Because we're not saying, you know, The Fiend gets buried, but the fate that is worse than getting buried is getting buried, but then thinking... There might be some light at the end of that tunnel. And then it turns out <laughs> to just be more goo. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a muscle man dance? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that's a, 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 a tunnel with more goo. Like, I, I just think it sums it up because that's what he's waded through his entire WWE career is a tunnel of goo. I, I always I feel sometimes we have to be very clear about what we're talking about here because... I don't particularly have any affection for the supposed creative genius of Bray Wyatt, but lots of people do. Bray Wyatt, I'm talking about now. See, um, I do. I like yeah, I like and, how, you know, he's scatterbrained and some of it doesn't hit for me all the time. But I'd rather that than when they went to Dolph Ziggler, right, let's have your hair dyed brown and cut short and, you yeah. know, just generic wrestler 101. I think in another time it would have worked because mm. they would have cared enough about the rules of the universe to ensure that the fiend, like, was the only character to play outside of them, like The Undertaker did, um, which is why that comparison is so harebrained when you see it all the time. <laughs> well, The Undertaker did uh, special effects, supernatural stuff. Yep, and he was the only one that did, and it happened rarely, and half the time it did happen, people mocked it. Um, you absolutely have to keep everything else robust in order for one character to exist outside of it. You can't just have, nothing matters, mm. because then... Absolutely nothing matters. You've got the we TNA's will... undead realm, for example. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Because it's 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 its own universe. Totally fine. People have to understand that difference. Um, we need to go over this over and over and over again until absolutely everybody gets it. The man who returned from being burned alive was defeated with an RKO in six minutes. Like. Because he was, it was a phase, effectively it was an entrance music distraction. I know it was Alexa Bliss on a Jack in a Box, but that was what it was. He, he was made to stand still. Like it's uh, to extend this beyond completely burying the fiend. We've just, it's you know, it's Tuesday today. We previewed Raw this morning. Sorry, reviewed Raw this morning, and my point was, Randy Orton, absolutely fine coughing up tar, but can't cope with a trombone at ringside. <laughs> like same problem. You you need to like be much clearer with the rules of the universe to even have like human characters with strange quirks like Randy Orton exist, let mm. alone psychotic murder clowns that may or may not be real. Like the thing, Goldberg, right? Goldberg squashed him. Terrible booking. Yes. Like all that is, we can just say that objectively. The Fiend stood up at the end of that. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. And then like he disappeared. So that, that was their way of saying, ah, oh, he's fine. Cause he stood up and he disappeared. If he can stand up and levitate to the back or however the hell he got back to the showers, how was he pinned off a crap jackhammer in a minute? Yeah, it's a it's a profound failure that represents WWE's contemporary storyline profound failures in the fact that it makes money in spite of itself. Wrong. Uh, well, let us know your thoughts on uh, fates in WWE worse than burial in the uh, on Twitter. In fact, uh, at what culture WWE? Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. 
You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling for more of this sort of thing, uh, more more of these uh, lists, uh, more previews and reviews, all the stuff you want, all the good wrestling content every single day. Um, and also check out this whole article. Just search for 10 WWE Fates Worse Than Burial at WhatCulture.com. But this has been another Top 10 Debate. My thanks to this article's author, Michael Hamlet, for joining me. Thank you for joining us as well. And we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.